Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? It's good to be back. And um, is this one yours, Lauren? Got to check the heresy this morning. I want to make sure you have that in your hand. So, uh, so good to be back. So good to be with you all. It, uh, it's always a privilege. Uh, many of you know, and I just wanted to convey, if we haven't already, our thanksgiving I know the church took a collection on our behalf. Um, we've been through a wild season of life in which not only did we have mold throughout our house, in the ceilings, in the attic, in the crawl space, in the walls, under the floors. I mean, it was everywhere. And uh, we managed to get back in the house all of, I think it was a week and a half, two weeks before then I got COVID. And with seven people living in a small house, we chose to just slowly go through the entire family one by one every two days having a new infection and so that led to like weeks of quarantine and uh yeah we're still on the upswing and uh but now having been through it all uh thankful to the lord thankful uh to the church for your support of our family and uh and the ministry and so really thank you genuinely uh so privileged to be Part of this body, I always feel so at home when I am able to come back and sad that I'm not able to be here more, but know that my heart is with you all and uh, I just love the opportunities that I have when I can come back and uh, spend this time together with you in God's Word. And so this morning, uh, as Lauren mentioned, we're going to talk about being salt and light and I just want to be mindful and uh, just remind everyone as I speak this morning, there are no loaded agendas this morning if there's anyone that I'm speaking to it's myself I can only pass on to you the challenges and things that the Lord has been passing on to me and I'm in a season where I have been challenged to the core and so for better or for worse I'm going to pass on what the Lord has been challenging me with and probably I will manage to offend uh, all of you by the time we're done this morning but if anything, my goal is not to rock the boat nor stir the pot. I hope, if anything, it stirs a conversation with the Lord in your heart as to what the Lord would have for you today in this season. And uh, we're living in a wild season. Wild season. And so I'm going to be turning to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, for those who would like to, you can follow along. I read in the New American Standard uh, Bible, but again, hopefully with your modern translation, as you read, it will be close enough for you to gain or uh, follow along uh, for the most part. Um, but I'm going to pray before we read, and then we'll dive right in. Heavenly Father, thank you that again this morning, as we come into this place, we come into a place where we... We do not need to sing you into this room. We do not need to pray you into this room. In fact, you were here. You were with us when we woke up in the car as we drove and as we gathered. We don't need to ask. We need simply say thank you to the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that it is your purpose and your spirit by which you teach our hearts and minds. I just pray this morning that we would be open to hearing from You. May anything not of You this morning just go in one ear and out the other. 
But may those things from you plant your seeds of righteousness. May they stick to us, stick with us in a way that we must wrestle in the depth of our hearts with the truth that is yours. Not one defined by our feelings or emotions, but by that living Word that dwells within, that guides, directs, shapes, molds. And this morning, we put Your Word before You and just trust that You would be active, speaking. And may we be listening this morning, allowing You to challenge us. Not just to pat us or just encourage, but to challenge to take that next step of faith, whatever that might be in our walk and this journey. Thank you again for your word and thank you what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read in Matthew 5, starting in verse 6, and it says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven, is great. For in the same way, when they persecuted the prophets who were before you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now as we read those words this morning, wonderful words from Jesus, we're reminded of this, that we are called today to be the light of the world, a salt in this place, that we are a lamp that is not to be put under a basket or a bushel, but is to be set on a lampstand so that all might see, shine before men to a watching world so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. But there was a warning here. And that was this, that this morning while you were called to be salt and light, here's the warning. That today, we can cover the lamp or we can lose our saltiness and in essence, become worthless according to that which we were called. And so always, as I read the Scriptures, I find there is this grand encouragement and challenge. And the challenge this morning, and we're going to build from here, What's been, what have you allowed to cover the lamp today? Or how today have you begun to lose your taste? Because it is so easy to do, and I might wager that today, easier than ever, easier than ever, when does it happen? When we lose 
our identity. I want to start because as we read, you know, it's easy to see. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be said, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the easy to see, right? Absolutely. Those set with not only their hearts, their souls, and their minds on the Lord. Much harder to read. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things about you. Be glad. Rejoice. That's when your reward is in heaven, right? We're the, you, and, and then he goes on. It's so easy today to live my life simply avoiding the conflict. Trying to appease the majority. And this morning, as I told you, I'm not speaking to any one of you but to me because this is how the Lord has been challenging me. Interestingly enough, I've noticed in life two things and I find in our Christian walk or some call it the Christianese, our Christian talk. It's quite easy to, in semantics, move words around. My calling, my sending. I'm called as a Christian. I'm called to ministry. There's something profound that I've come to discover, and that is this. Number one, my calling will never change on this earth. My sending will. Let me clarify. My calling will never change. There used to be a time in which I said, and again, perhaps simply semantics, I, after 20 years of ministry in Cape and Ray Bible School, I would say, I'm called to Bible school ministry. Do you know what? There was a profound shift one day that I had to realize, and that was this. I was never called to Bible school ministry. I was sent to Bible school ministry. The problem is, if I begin to mix up my calling and my sending, all of a sudden, the, the, the sending can take priority over the calling. Listen carefully. I began to learn this. That number one, first and foremost, I was called to the Lord Jesus Christ as a minister of the gospel. Secondly, I was sent to the ministry of Bible school. Does that make sense? Because I'll tell you what happened. After 18 years of that ministry, my calling didn't change. But here's what did. My sending did. Here's God. Time to pick up the family, move to Vancouver Island, and while you've just spent the last 18 years of your life in in-house Christian camp and conference ministry, I want you to move to a place where the closest people to you are all New Age atheist farmers. Especially our neighbors on one side. They're called the Wildmans, and they're really wild, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Talk about atheist New Age farmers. I'm going to pick you up. Hey, listen, your calling isn't changing. Here's what is changing. I'm going to send you to a new location, a new circumstance, new surroundings, but your calling, 
to be a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing reminds me more of the first conversation of the first interactions of one of those farmers who when my truck and trailer broke down said, I've got you covered, I'll come with you. We'll use my truck and trailer. Let's go get the hay. And as we were on the road, he looked at me and said, now I've heard you're some kind of preacher boy. (laughs) And he didn't say it in a good way. Let's just make that clear. I said, well, I don't know if you call me a preacher boy. And he said, well, I'll tell you this. I don't know how anyone could believe in a God who created so many wars. It was like, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore, right? I was used to Bible school students. and but no, Now we were in a new place. You know what? That was a season. And it's a season now. And then God said, I'm going to call you to Gabriel Island. Oh no, not call. Send. (laughs) And you know what? I found in life that my sending changes. But if all of a sudden I mix the two up, here's what happens. All of a sudden, my sending becomes greater than my calling. All of a sudden, my priorities shift and I miss it. Here's what happens (laughs) when my sending becomes greater than my calling. And I have friends, and sometimes we get in fights. One of them is passionate about the homeless. But here's his, his tunnel view if you're not speaking to the homeless, you're not preaching the gospel. You're not speaking to the down and out. You're not speaking to the people Jesus spoke to. And and in every way, in every shape, and in every form, it's like, yeah, you should get involved in real ministry. Oh, but I've got another friend passionate about the Jews. And if you're not part of a messianic church and reading websites that are, you know, written by rabbis that have converted to Christianity, you may have the gospel, but not the whole gospel. And others who love the Arabs. And if you're not trying to convert those from Islam, you may be preaching Christ, but you're not preaching preaching the whole Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, anything outside of my ministry, my sending, what I suspect has missed the calling. I hope this is making sense. The rat that runs around in the spaghetti up here sometimes gets lost. But as we build forward, listen, the calling always has to come before the sending. My sending may change. I'm in a season where I go Sunday after Sunday to a small church on Gabriola. I love it. I love the people there. I love the season. I love the ministry. But what I also love is the knowledge that In the next season, I don't know where God could take me, where God could lead me, what God could do with me. (laughs) Maybe next week, I may be driving a septic truck, sucking people's septic. I mean, listen, the way my life goes, that's not off the table. (laughs) That's not off the table. But guess what? My calling wouldn't change, would it? still a minister of the gospel in whatever context, in whatever season, and to whatever people God puts in my sphere of influence. 
Love it. On the, on, this might be a side note. Uh, septic truck drivers, you can see I'm passionate about it. They're getting more and more creative with the things they write on the sides of their trucks these days. Don't know if you've seen them. <laughs> Recently, I think I saw a picture of one. Loved it. Big septic truck in, in, lined in traffic. Someone snapped a photo, and on the back it said, this truck is filled with political promises. I love that. That was beautiful. Little septic sucking side note. So, Listen, my calling will never change. First to the Lord Jesus, my sending may. As we read this morning, we are sent to be a lamp. That's our calling. A lamp. That calling has never changed. I just want to highlight, and for time's sake, because you all know that I can go and go and keep going, for time's sake, I want to remind you of something. There's sometimes words that are troubling. Like when Paul writes in the book of Romans, chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for all who believe. But then listen to this, to the Jew first, and then also the... Gentile. What do you mean? To the Jew first. Well, listen. When God made man, and I always come back to Genesis. Listen, He made a world that everything He made proclaimed His character. In fact, if every mouth would be quiet, even the rocks would cry out. And every time He made something, He stopped, He looked, and He said, it is good. Until he made Adam and Eve, man and woman, and when he took a step back, and on that sixth day, he stopped, he looked at the world that he had made, and he looked at Adam and Eve and said, is not just good, it is what? Very good. Why? Because in his image he had made them. They were image bearers. Until they would make a decision that tarnished, tarnished the image. And as they moved forward, a promise would go with them that one day a seed would come from the line of the woman. A seed would come forth that would one day set right what had gone oh so wrong in the garden that day. And you can read those genealogies and how God preserved not only mankind, but that seed in a flood which destroyed the wickedness of mankind. And we read all the way till a man named Abram. But as that line moved on, then it would become the children of Abraham. God was not making an exclusive salvation. Oh no, it was inclusive. It was inclusive because when Jesus came, and I want you to hear, don't don't turn there for time's sake. I've noted it down. But listen, Isaiah 49 in verse 3. Listen to what he says. He said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I will show my glory. What was their purpose? But I said, I have toiled in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely the justice due me is with the Lord and my reward with my God. And now says the Lord who formed me from the womb, be his servant to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel might be gathered to him for I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God is my strength. 
He says, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Notice the purpose, the call. Israel was to be a light to the nations that his salvation might reach to the end of the earth. You see, everywhere Israel went, they were to shine the light that this is what can be if you walk in relationship with the living God. And even someone like Rahab the harlot in the walls of Jericho, if they would only turn their heart, might join in the family. Oh, but listen. When Jesus came, recently reading in Mark, reminded of Jesus, difficult words. When a Gentile woman comes up and says, listen, I have a need. And Jesus says, listen, the children eat first before dogs at the table. That's rough. What did she say? Yeah, but even the dogs get the crumbs. Why was Jesus talking about the Israelites as the children and Gentiles as the dogs? Because He came to restore the lamp that had gone out. Oh, but I want you to see something that's so important this morning because in 1 Peter 2.9, listen to what it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Listen carefully, 1 Peter 2.9 so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who's called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. He's called you who are not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Listen, in in Romans chapter 11, and, and again, I'm moving quickly, but I hope you're following. I want you to remember this. That the Israelites had the salvation of the Lord, the lamp of God to shine the light, but they rejected. They chose to turn to their own means to righteousness rather than faith in God's. And do you know what God did? Romans 11, referring to those Jews, I say then, they did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. Listen carefully. Now if their transgression is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fulfillment be? But I am speaking to you who are Gentiles inasmuch then as I am an apostle of Gentiles, I magnify my ministry if somehow I might move to jealousy my fellow countrymen and save some of them. For if their rejection is reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Here's what's amazing, everyone. Here he had created a nation to shine the lamp of God. And you know what that nation did? You know what they said? We're content with our own righteousness rather than the righteousness of faith. And you know what God said? Fine. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that lamp and I'm going to pluck it up and guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it to those who you consider godless. And here's what it's going to do. Drive you jealous. (laughs) Because now they're going to be the lamp to you that you once were for them. How cool is that? And here's Paul in the book of Romans 
listen, and I'll never forget, working at the Bible school, we had someone who we call a, a Messianic Jew. He ran a big church in Montreal, and he was not allowed in any synagogues because he was considered a, disturb, a disturber. I'll never forget the day I called him up and I said, his name was Jacques, and I said, Jacques, can you come and teach our students about the life of Christ from a Jewish perspective? And you know what his words were? Ha ha ha, little Quebec French. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. I said, why? What? You're a busy man. Radio programs, congregation, ministry. And this is what he said, and I'll never forget it. Oh, because if I can preach to the Gentiles, I might drive my brethren even more to jealousy. Oh, he loved it. He loved it. A firm grasp on his calling. Not just to Jews, but to be a lamp to anyone who would listen so that that lamp might glow bright. Here's where the challenge comes in this morning. Here's where the challenge comes. Because this morning, as we read in Matthew 5, we're living in a time where it is so easy to either switch the sending for the calling, prioritize the location, the circumstance, or the context over the one who's called me to it. But here's what else. It's so easy to lose my identity in the midst of it. Here's how. We live in a world today where my identity is a lamp, a light to draw people to Jesus, Jews to jealousy. And here's what the world says. Your identity is tied up in the car that you drive, in the figure that you make, in the place that you work, in your status, whether you're the boss or the underling, in your marital status, whether wed or broken or not, in your relationship, in your sexuality, in your where are you on the tier. The world is going to tell you that your identity today is built in the superficial, in the circumstantial, in things you can do physically, not something that you received spiritually. And today, more than ever, we're on a precipice of division, and I'll explain how, and this morning's a great one, just even with a, a new mask mandate. How are we on a precipice of division? I'll tell you, I was speaking to a friend who's in ministry, and they were borderline on having the new mandate that in education institutions, right, anyone who's unvaccinated can't come. And so they began to work with the government and it turned out there was a small loophole because they're a, a religious organization. They weren't put down as an official accredited organization. They didn't have to. They didn't have to abide. And they breathed a breath of fresh air. And I said to the, the, one of the leaders, I said, how many students would you have lost if you had to abide? You know what he told me? 50% of 100. 50%. That's within our Christian, common ground friends. That's the division inside the church. 
And we live in a society today where Facebook <laughs> provides the best because in some degree you're, there's anonymity. And, and y- listen, if you disagree with me, you hate me. <laughs> and now I have to hate you. Now I have to hate you. If you disagree with me, you're against me, not for me. And I'll tell you what, we can be broken and we can be divided and here's what happens. We can lose our saltiness and our lamp will not shine brighter if the greater thing, and here's what I'm finding, on social media, specifically, the danger. Here's my identity. Not the lamp of Jesus, but I need to convince you either to be or not be vaccinated. Does that make sense to you guys? That's my purpose in life, to win you to my side of an argument. That's my purpose. And every time I go on, I'm going on to see who said what, and now what I need to say to put my two cents in the argument. And I can go online with the purpose of winning you. And what a great season. Because today, I can believe if you're liberal, you've missed it. If you're conservative, you've missed it. If you're green, you've missed it. If you're NDP, you've missed it. Because I know, because the Lord revealed it to me. (laughs) And so now, I'm not only here to tell you about the Lord Jesus, I'm also here to win you over to the right political party. I told you this morning, I'm not talking to anyone else but me this morning. And here's the question. The Lord keeps pounding me with, you've been duped, man. (laughs) You've been duped. (laughs) Duped into thinking that your purpose is something other than being a lamp. It's winning people to a political party. And I think south of the border, they're worse off. (laughs) Because it's become the fact that now, Republican is the Christian party, right? Democrat, the unchristian. And and I have friends on both sides of that argument. An argument, I don't know if anyone's going to win. But I'll tell you what's happening. If anything, not an argument that anyone's going to win, but a lamp that is increasingly growing dim. Why? Because their identity is now fixed in the political and not the spiritual. Their identity is fixed in winning a conversation about a conviction rather than leading them to Christ, who is their life. Wow. What did we read in Peter? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who's called you out of darkness. So that. The purpose? That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who's called you. Today, if there's anything, I might ask, as you go out these doors, and for some who are at home, it's a time in life we need to ask ourselves some tough questions. Because I want to tell you something this morning. I don't know the God you worship, but here's the God I worship. He's the God of the masked, 
and the unmasked. He's the God of the circumcised and the uncircumcised, and he's the God of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And those no, no two-tier kingdom under Christ. But it's so easy to see it as such. I'll tell you what happens when I lose my identity and my identity becomes fixed another. The lamp grows dim, the light becomes covered, and the salt loses its taste. We become tasteless. Jesus says, only something worth being trampled underfoot. May we not be a church that grows tasteless today. Divided. There's some inconvenient scriptures. <laughs> and I'm going to share some with you uh, in the book of Romans. And then I've already gone too long and I'm long-winded as ever, but I want to I remind you of some of these things. For Paul, who would write first in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, just listen to these words. Verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all men, so that I might by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Wow. You know what really rocked my world this week? You know what really rocked my world? This. You may be someone sitting today firmly grounded in conviction and heart. No vaccine. God's bigger than the vaccine. Okay? Hear me out, because I'm going to give you the flip side of the coin in a second. So I'm going to make you both mad at me. Hang on. <laughs> you may be firmly fixed, and God says this. You're called to me, and I want to use you as a light. And I'm going to get you to get the vaccine. And you're like, no way, Lord. Uh-uh. You wouldn't do that. I have free rights. I'm freedom in the kingdom of God. And God says, no. You don't think God would do that? Listen carefully. Paul goes along. Read the bulk of his ministry. Here's what he says. You do not need to be circumcised to know the Lord. He fought for it. Faith is not by the works of the law, not by circumcision of the flesh, but by faith in God. This is Paul. He fought, and yet he met a Gentile named Timothy. And after fighting for that ministry, here's what Paul says. Timothy, come with me. I see the Lord's hand in your life, but I got a problem. What's that? You need to be circumcised. What? <laughs> You just said no circumcision. I can know God without circumcision. Here's Paul. Yeah, I know. And it's true. But I've got a sending for you, Timothy. You're calling. You don't need it. But you're sending. I'm going to lead you to a group of people. And when they see you go pee in the corner, it's going to matter to them. And they're not going to listen to you. 
unless you, by obedience, pick up your cross, follow me, and count the cost. Timothy, I need to get you circumcised. Or here's me. Maybe I'm concerned. And it's not about faith in the vaccine. But maybe I believe that due to my privilege in society and my diligence in society, I should get the vaccine to protect other people. I, you know, We say people who get it, you're sheep following the crowd. People who don't get it, you're an inconsiderate jerk. right? We know Facebook and the, the war going on. Here's God. Hey, I know you, you want to get it. And there's nothing wrong with getting it. I need you to trust me on this one. I need you to trust me on this one because I'm bigger than any fear of any virus. I'm bigger. I'm bigger. And I want you to trust me on this one. Are you so set in your direction that you can't hear the next thus saith the Lord. Because I'll tell you what, you need to firmly be fixed to your calling and be so pressed in hard to know what you need to do next for your sending. Moses himself, remember when he hit that rock and water came forth? Do you remember what stopped him from getting into the land of Canaan, the land of rest? He led a people out of Egypt and around a wilderness for 40 years. And he disqualified himself. How? God brought him to that same rock and God said, this time, Moses, I want you not to strike the rock. I want you to speak to the rock. What did Moses do? He went out and he said, you hard-hearted people, do I need to make water for you to drink again? And he hit the rock a second time. Did water come out? Yeah, God was faithful. Even when we're faithless, he fed the people. But that was the day God said, Moses, you're not coming in. Why? Because he relied on what worked yesterday rather than God's instructions for today. Here's the call, everyone. What's God instructing? Here's our capstone verse of the day. You can put this one in your hat, ruminate on it as you go, because again, God's been hitting me over the head. He says this. Romans 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge the servant of another. Have you been caught judging other people? Where do you judge the servant of another? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord, is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another, regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. Have you been caught going, I haven't seen them in church for a while, backslidden? Do you know what I mean? Oh, wait a second. You're convinced one day is set aside. Another is convinced that all days are alike. 
He who observes the day, verse 6, Romans 14, observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not, for the Lord does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And for this end, Christ died and lived again that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. Why do you judge your brother? Or again, why are you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Who's the judge? Who are you going to be judged by? God. And God alone. But have you been duped today to become the judge of the outward when God's looking at the inward? Have you been duped today to wake up in the morning, turn on that computer, and have any other purpose than the one purpose that is your calling to be the lamp of Christ? Or perhaps you're one who's not yet comfortable. Here's a challenge. I'm going to stare right in that little pink iPhone. I'm looking at you. (laughs) Maybe you're not yet comfortable in this environment yet. That's not wrong. But here's what is. I'm, and I'm not judging you at home. I'm just speaking to you. <laughs> I'm going to hide out here until it's all over. Oh no. The calling hasn't changed. Here's my challenge. If you're at home, how are you being the lamp? It's not that you can't be a lamp. Have you started a letter writing ministry? Have you started calling? How are you being a lamp? Because the calling hasn't changed whether you're at home or here or wherever. You'll never be sustained or feel satisfied in your sending until you're wholeheartedly gripped to the one who is your calling, your identity, who is Christ. That's been the challenge to me as we wrestle with what it means to be a Christian in a difficult time, in which even Christians are divided on what next? How do we proclaim Christ in a dark time where we're losing our rights and have people coming in? Here's how. Taking that next step of obedience and not judging another nor your next step according to a brother or sister, but according to the one who is your call. Let your lamp shine brightly and don't lose your saltiness by letting yourself become diluted with another identity let's pray lord thank you sobering words for myself today and i can only speak with you in the depth of my heart and that's what i pray that as we leave these doors as people whether they're around their tables, kitchens, living rooms, whatever it might be, those who have joined us at home. I can only pray today that we would learn what it means to live before the audience of one. May we find ourselves walking in obedience, listening for your instructions today, not what worked yesterday, not your call for my neighbor, but the call now. Thank you today that you are bigger than a virus. 
you're bigger. And by faith in you, it doesn't mean we're not going to get it. You're also bigger than consequences of a vaccine if there are. It doesn't mean we're not going to get sick. Ultimately, today, what does it say in Romans 14, 23? Whatever is not from faith is sin. Lord, guard my heart from simply dedicating myself as a vessel for you when you long that I'd live by faith in you. May we go out these doors as vessels who abide. Those whose lives are defined by faith that you might shine that light brightly and lead a watching world into jealousy. They too want what we have, a relationship with the one God who lives and has life in the palm of his hand. Thank you today that you use broken vessels and that today you will use us on our broken journey. Shine a lamp in our hearts. Put a finger upon us in those places where we've been duped to think our purpose is otherwise than to lead people to you. Thank you that one died so that all might die to themselves and live unto you, the Lord Jesus. For this we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.